0: we've already seen from hebrews 6 last night the theme verse that our hope is in jesus christ that is the only place we're going to find true hope but i want to take that hope a little further now if you as if accepted jesus christ as your personal savior you have that living hope inside of you you have it it's whether or not you are utilizing it <laughs> In 1 Timothy 1.1, the Apostle Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the commandment of God our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope. As Lynn brought up last night, that's not a wishful thinking hope. How do we use that in our vernacular today? Oh, I hope this happens. I hope my husband takes me to dinner. I hope this that's not the hope we're talking about here. This verse in 1 Timothy 1, 1 says, Jesus, Lord Jesus Christ, which is our hope, that's a confident assurance, not wishful thinking. So you may not feel as though you have hope, particularly if you are going through a trial right now. And we all know the phrase, if you're not going through one, you just were in one or you're going to be going through one. So this applies to everybody. So, you, But you may not feel like you have hope right now. I want to share with you how the Lord has helped me over the last year or so through studying the word hope. And I'm going to try, and you guys know I don't cry much, especially when I speak. I really don't, but it's very fresh, so I may. So, number one, no hope or the death of hope. No hope or the death of hope. We're going to look briefly at Psalm 143. David wrote that psalm. And, there, and when he wrote that psalm, he is going through a very difficult time of discouragement and persecution. In verses three through four, he said, For the enemy hath persecuted my soul, he hath smitten my life down to the ground, he hath made me to dwell in darkness as those that have been long dead. How sorrowful that sounds. How depressing that sounds. He goes on in verse 4, Therefore is my spirit overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is desolate. Have you ever been there? Have you been where David is saying, where your heart was desolate? You felt like the enemy was tracking you down, persecuting you, whether it was a physical enemy or Satan? You felt so persecuted? That's how David felt there. And he was explaining that. Scripture was written so we can learn from it and we can relate. I love to teach my children, not, from, not just from Scripture, but Scripture and watching the lives of other Christians. Examples, what, how we can learn. And so David is someone we can learn from because he went through all these things and he's talking about it. We've all felt that. We've all been there. But what does David do to lift his spirits? That psalm does not continue to be depressing, or we'd go, why am I reading this? This is dragging me down. In verses 5 and 6, he says, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. I muse on on the work of thy hands. I stretch forth my hands unto thee. My soul thirsteth after thee as a thirsty land. So what does he do? He remembers what God has done for him in the past. He doesn't dwell on that depressing stuff. He thinks back. And I shared a testimony in church recently, and I meant to go grab what I'm getting ready to talk about and totally spaced it with everything, Um, he meditates on what God has done for him. We just celebrated our 10th anniversary here in July, and our church people will remember there were seven or eight picture boards on that wall right there where our anchors are at. I thought of it a few weeks before the anniversary. There are so many new people. We need to look at what happened in 2009 and 2010 and 2011 and 2012 and all the way up to this year. And those picture boards are back there if anybody wants to look at them. But as I worked on those and put those pictures up, God reminded me of what he's done in the last 10 years. His faithfulness in the lives of people who have been saved and people who have been impacted. As David said, I remember the days of old. I meditate on all thy works. Did those people get saved because Pastor and I had done anything? Well, only because we were willing to come and willing to be used. But those were God's works. Those baptisms were God's works. The different events on there, the construction projects we've had here, were God's works. And so as I did those picture boards, God ministered to my heart. He said, remember, remember, remember. Remember what he's done. Remember what he's done. He also says in verses 5 to 6, he says, I stretch forth my hands unto thee. He's praying, God, I need you. God, you're my hope. I need you. He doesn't ask the Lord to take away this persecution. He just says, Lord, thank you for what you've done. I need you. I need your help. What do we do? In this day and time, when we're going through a hard time, we either bury our head under a pillow. More often than not, we get on social media and complain and gripe. We might do something we shouldn't do to our bodies. We take it out on somebody. But what should we do? Look back. What what has God done in my life? Praise him for that and pray. Lift our hands to him and pray. So when we have no hope, we need to do like David did. And we need to remember what God has done and pray. Number two, blind hope. Blind hope. Now, I'm not going to tell Job's whole story, but remember Job and what he went through? Job had his whole family, other than his wife, and we're not going to get into the theological aspect of that right now, but all his children taken, killed, in one day, right? One day, I think. Yes, one day. And... All his cattle, all his homes, everything. And then he was covered in boils and sores and in miserable pain. All in just this tiny short span of time. In Job 19:8, Job said, He hath fenced up my way that I cannot pass, and he hath set darkness in my paths. Do you think he felt blind? Lord, what are you doing? Do you think he felt blind have you ever felt like i don't know which way to turn everything every which way i go we can learn from job job recognized that god was trying him putting him through a trial but you know what he didn't say okay i'm done with you god but he didn't do what his wife did what did his wife say just curse god and die mm-hmm. did he listen to that wicked wife <laughs> <laughs> Praise God, he did not. He didn't. He didn't know why God was allowing this in his life, but he trusted God. Despite all of that, he trusted God. Remember the story of Paul and Silas in prison in Acts 16? They had been out preaching the gospel, seeing people saved, Seeing a girl that was possessed with a spirit, she got saved. And what was the payment for that? Beaten. And we're not talking. They were beaten till they were bloody. And then thrown into the deepest, darkest part of the prison. And this is not Lovelock Prison, okay? Prisons back then were nasty. Think moisture, rats, gross, you know, All because they were doing what God wanted them to do. They had been serving the Lord, and they were rewarded with a beating in prison, but yet they still trusted and praised God. Because what happened when they got put into that prison and shackled? What did they do? It says at midnight, what would you have been doing at midnight if that just happened to you? I know what I would have probably been doing, my pillow crying into it, okay? But they were singing and praising God after just being beaten. You know those sores were getting crusty and uncomfortable and they were hurting physically? Because that floor of that prison was not cushy. They were miserable, but they praised God. They still trusted him. Isaiah 45, verse 3. As I was studying this, um, this verse came out. Isaiah 45, verse 3. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I am the Lord which called thee by thy name and the God of Israel. Now he is our God too. So we can apply this. The treasures of darkness. There's treasures in hard times. We don't see it in the midst. But there are treasures in hard times. Paul and Silas saw the treasures. And they praised God. So even though they were blind to what God was doing, so blind hope, they knew that God was in control and God loved them. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, they knew God loved them. Number three, this one doesn't have hope in it. Necessary seasons. Necessary seasons. We could say necessary seasons of hope. Some of you will be familiar with missionary Elizabeth Elliot. She and her husband and a team were missionaries in Ecuador in the 1950s to the Aka Indians. She said, this is a powerful quote, you can't get to tomorrow morning without going through tonight. You can't get to tomorrow morning without going through tonight. She should know. Her husband and all the men on that team were slaughtered by the aka indians they were trying to witness to these men these this tribe they were trying to win them for christ and they were all killed it's amazing to me to think she and her daughter stayed in ecuador and continued to minister to those Indians. They saw that tribe come to know the Lord because they persevered. They stayed. The the Auk Indians said later, why did you stay? Because you still needed the gospel despite what happened. Hence her quote, you can't get to tomorrow morning without going through tonight. It may look hard and dark here, but there's joy is to come. You may be going through a difficult season right now and wonder where God is because surely if he loved you, he wouldn't let this happen and fill in the blank. You lost your job. Your husband lost his job. Your child got cancer. I don't want to name any others because I don't know what you're going through and I don't want anybody to think, you picked me out. No, no, no. Fill in the blank. We've all got a hard thing. So you may think God doesn't love you because he allowed that. 1 Peter 1.6. I love this verse. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, year in heaviness through manifold temptations. The phrase from this word, verse, need be, it says, wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness. That ver- word, through manifold temptations, that doesn't mean tempting me. That means trials, through, through many trials. So that verse has that phrase, need be. So when your car breaks down and there's no more money, Think need be, God knew I needed this. When we or our spouse lose their job, need be, God knew I needed this. When our child turns their back on God and walks away, God God knows. When you get a scary diagnosis, you can say like Peter did, need be, There's a reason, and you may not see it now, but God does. And we can trust that he knows what he's doing. That's why it says, need be. I need this. For some reason, I need this in my life, and God knows better than I do. He sees the whole picture. We only see right here in front of us. He knows what he's doing or allowing in our life. God allowed Satan to do those things to Job. There are times God allows these things in our life because we need be. It's necessary for us. Jeremiah 20 For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you an expected end. Doesn't that, every time I read that verse, I, the Lord thinks about me. I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He thinks about me. He never means us harm. He has a plan. And we just need to trust or hope in him. His promises, he promises that it's going to end. What does that say? To give you an expected end. It is going to end. It's not going to last forever. It, it feels like it's going to last forever, but it's not. Trials and hardships don't last forever. They will end, and we can hold on to that. I've got an illustration. So most of the people here know that I love the beach. That is my happy place. That is my calm place. That's where it, just the sound of the waves and the smell of the ocean, which, by the way, the East Coast smells better than the West Coast did. The West Coast, isn't the water's not warm enough, so we don't get that ocean smell like we do on the East Coast. So one of the things I like, other than shells, my husband says, do you need more seashells? Well, they're there, yeah. yeah. We don't know how many are in my garage. We don't, we've lost count. Um, the other thing I've come to love recently is driftwood. We just got this piece when we ran over the hill a couple weeks ago just got this piece that looks ugly to some to me it's beautiful look at the shape of that and if you look closer and obviously I'm not gonna run all around the colors in the wood look at all the holes the naughtiness in there that shape How did it get that way? The ocean, beating it. It was a tree somewhere. It got knocked off somewhere along the way, off a ship, off the the coast, somewhere. It got beat by rocks. It got beat by the ocean. It may have been beautiful before, but the character in this now, I mean, what it went through. I think you see the picture. This is something Pastor made for me recently. Little votive holder out of little pieces of driftwood. Aww. I love this piece. Look at that curve. How did that get that way? He didn't. Do, he didn't bend it. God did. How does that happen? I'm going to sit those right there in case anybody wants to look closer. There's still a lot of beach sand on that one, so be careful. (laughs) How did it get that way? Beating the waves, hitting the shore, and then being carried back out with the next tide. The tree didn't say, no, God, stop, I'm done. It was on the beach when I found it. It's beautiful to me. The things God allows in our life make us more like him. Make us beautiful. It's going to end. Did it end for that piece? Yeah. It ended up on the beach, and I picked it up. I don't know what it's going to become yet. It might just stay that way. It might be something like this at some point. I don't know. But every time I dust... Where this is on my shelf, I think about, one, the time together with my husband at the beach. Um, I think about my husband making it. But I think about what God did to make this like this. He loves us. He loves us so much, he sent his son for us to die on a cross for us. Those things that happen to us are not to hurt us. There to refine us, to make us more beautiful in his eyes, to make us more like him. Need be. It's necessary. Number four, word of hope. Word of hope. In his word, Romans 15, 4. For whatsoever things were written aforetime, so in the past, were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope everything that was written before in the past in the word was written for our so we could have hope for us to learn and have hope but we don't access it it sits on a shelf and gets dusty where are we going to find that hope 15.4, through patience and comfort of the scriptures. We've got to read it. Read about Job. Do you know what happened at the end of the story? God gave him more than he had. Psalm 119, 114, the psalmist tells us, Thou art my hiding place and my shield. I hope in thy word. We can find hope, comfort, and help when we spend time in his word. But is that our default mechanism, as we've already talked about? What is our default mechanism? Call or text a friend. Go on social media. Find whatever meme suits your pers- your your crisis right now. And share it with everybody. And people go, oh, sweetie, I'm so sorry. Instead of saying, God, I need you. That's where we're supposed to go to. Turn to the God of hope. Number five, abundant hope. I love this passage. Romans 15, 12 through 13. And again, Esaias, referring to Isaiah, saith, There shall be a root of Jesse, and he that shall rise to reign over the Gentiles. Who is the root of Jesse, and who's going to rise to reign over the Gentiles? Jesus Christ. In Him shall the Gentiles trust, so we will trust. That word trust means hope. In Him shall we hope. Now, verse 13, the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that ye may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I want to break a few words down there. In, ver- in, in verse 12, I just said the word trust means hope. So when we trust the Lord for salvation to save us, we are placing our hope in Him. In verse 13, God of hope, we've already talked about hope, means a strong, confident expectation. The verse then goes on to say, fill you. Is that fill? If I hadn't opened it yet, it's filled filled to the brim. That fill you means filled to the brim, all the way up. Where it says the God of hope fill you, he means fill you to the brim. Fill you with what? It goes on to say joy. That joy means a calm delight and peace. That peace means security, safety, rest. Don't you want to feel secure, safe, rest? The God of hope and his word. But it goes on. So it says, fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Okay, do you believe you can place your confidence in jesus christ then it goes on to say that ye may abound in hope what does that abound mean it means overflowing overflowing exceed super abundance so if i kept And it was just going all over here, and he would not appreciate that. So (laughs) abound, overflow. He's made it that you can abound in hope. So how are we going to abound in hope? Well, the first verse tells us through the power of. Through the power of what? The Holy Ghost or Holy Spirit. What? That through the power of means strength and power that's already living inside of you if you know the Lord as your Savior, that strength and that power is already living inside of you. If you have asked the Lord to save you, and that's what it's talking about, the Holy Spirit, He is living in you and He will never leave you. So because of that, you can abound. You can be overflowing. But are you doing like David and reaching out to him? Are you spending time in this word of hope? Are you spending it somewhere else, complaining somewhere else? There is nothing hopeless or helpless about the Christian life. We have boundless assistance through the power of the Holy Spirit living in us. We have that assistance. We don't access it. Let me ask you some questions. Where is your hope for eternity and today? Is it in your family? Ladies tend to do that. Put our hope in our family. And what happens when we lose one of them? Is it in your career? Let's think back to 2008, how quickly can that change? Is it in how many friends you have on social media? Or followers on Instagram? Is it in your bank account and your 401k? Let's think of back to 2008 again, how quickly that flees. How about your hope, is it in your own goodness and your own abilities? Oh, I can do this, i got this. Um, what happens when you have a debilitating illness? Oh, where, where'd those hope and abilities, where'd those abilities go? Psalm 38, 15, the psalmist said, For in thee, O Lord, do I hope. And in 39, 7, he said, My hope is in thee. When difficult times come and they will, we trust in him. That's the only hope that is secure. We can abound in that hope. We don't have to live our lives like, who remembers Eeyore and Winnie the Pooh? I hope you're not that kind of Christian. You can abound in hope. You don't have to be like him. He is our living hope. 1 Peter 1.3, and and Lynn quoted this this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. That goes back to that song that I asked Megan to sing. Our hope is in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. If Jesus had never risen, we wouldn't have hope. But he did. He's in heaven waiting for us. That's our hope, that living hope. There is hope because Jesus lives. There is abundant hope available available to us because he lives. As she was singing it, I was reminded of the phrase, in it, "He knows just what you're going through." He is the suffering savior. Nobody has been through what he has been through. He understands more than you realize. There is hope because he lives. So are you trusting in the God of hope for your salvation? If so, are you abounding in daily hope? I recently read a quote, and I didn't get it up there. I wanted to get it up there, but I want you to write this down because it just gripped me. It's so simple. It's from Ben Shetler, but it shook me and showed me that my focus was not where it should be. The quote is, focusing on your pain never brings hope. Focusing on God always does. Like I said, super simple. Focusing on your pain never brings hope. Focusing on God always does. Ladies, where's your focus? Where's your hope?